Hello, listeners. Thanks for tuning in again this week. Uh, I'm excited to have today's guest on. They are the whole package of things that I love to talk about. They are an advocate. They are an ally. They are just doing the Lord's work. Ladies and gentlemen, Finn Patrick Clark. Oh my God. It has to be an Irish accent, right? Yeah, Irish. Yeah. <laughs> you did not have to gas me up like that. That's too much pressure. Dude. <laughs> Here's the thing. Um, so when you came in the first time, obviously good vibes. I was like, mm, this would be a fun interview. I'm actually like, now that I'm like thinking about you being here, it's funny because we really only met each other like two, yeah, two or three I, times. I have talked, I've spoken to you three times in my life. <laughs> And one of those times was over Instagram, so I don't know if that counts. This is the third time. It's fair. Um, so why don't we start off at the beginning, because you are not originally from Minnesota. So where are you from? I am. Well, I was born in Kansas, um, but I grew up in Alabama. My How did I get here? I moved here with my mom because she's going through a divorce or her um, she's leaving her husband. Um, and so I moved up here with her cause like me and my mom are a team and oh, you know, awesome. yeah. And I have a younger sibling too, who just turned 15. And so, yeah, I don't, I didn't want my mom to be alone for that. So that's why I'm up here. She got a job and I was like, I'll just do grad school. So is she from Minnesota originally or just mm. random? Um, her job is really awesome. And they like, they offered her a position. Honestly, she talked to somebody, um about what was going on with her relationship and they're like we can promote you you're a good worker and they sent her up here it was awesome wonderful supportive people in our life yeah oh oh, that's fucking rad okay um but yeah so so let's start out um so you have one younger sibling yeah one younger sibling okay um what was it like growing up i mean you're 22 so you're of that age where like you grew up seeing that people wanted to be like supportive and right. allies and all of these things. But I'm curious as to like the stereotypes of the South not being so accepting. Um, how much does that apply to your life growing up? So I grew up in a town called Elkmont, Elkmont, Alabama, which is 15 minutes away from Pulaski, Tennessee, which okay. is, the birthplace of the KKK. Mm. Um, so <laughs> my town growing <laughs> up was <laughs> like we like my uh, my partner who lived in the area used to like take down KKK flags from people's houses and rip them down. And like they used to give out chocolate at people's doorsteps and held like yearly parades and nobody said anything guarded by police officers. So, I mean like that, that is where I grew up. Holy shit. It is what it is. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so like I said, like you, you kind of grew up with like social media being, um, like a part of everyday life, really. Like you get a phone and then you get Instagram, you get Facebook and all that shit, which is so weird to think about for me. Cause like, I remember when I was a kid and like uh, MySpace became a thing. Oh God. Yeah. We were all like, what the fuck we have? So like, we all have to like become computer engineers now. Like, <laughs> cause there was like HTML shit. Oh uh, yeah. It was so fucking funny. Like the code that went into having a, like the glitter profile. text yeah. that said like, OMG, I love fucking taking back Sunday. Like, 
<laughs> oh my god. But man, so that's fascinating. So you're you're exposed to online mm-hmm. the all of this acceptance and all of these things, but it at home you're seeing <laughs> fucking KKK parades. I'm like, oh, there they are. It it was interesting and um for me, I I was a little too young for MySpace. I think that missed it. I also wasn't into social media when I was in middle school. I was scared of the internet. I was very shy when I was younger. Oh. Um, and then found Tumblr when I was ah. in high school. Um, and then news about Caitlyn Jenner came out, and I found out what a trans person was because I had no idea that that was an option or anything for me. Um, so then when I started getting exposed to Tumblr, and then that contrasting with where I grew up. I mean, it was it was a lot. It was it was accepting, but it was also there was a lot of bad mental health stuff that I got exposed to online, unrestricted oh, internet access yep. at a young age, especially on a site like Tumblr, which has porn and well had porn and had um violent content, you know, it yeah. traumatizing in its own way. For sure. Yeah. I mean the self harm oh yeah stuff with yeah. Yeah, there was the cut for beaver stuff that happened Oof. when I was in middle school. That was awful. And I knew people in real life that did that. Terrible. Holy smokes. So, t- yeah, that and the whale challenge. Terrible. The what challenge? Um, the, I, Did you say whale? The whale challenge. Like I, Andy Narwhal the whale? Yeah. Andy Narwhal. <laughs> Perfect. I um I don't know if you put a trigger warning or anything on your certainly podcast. can. Hey folks, trigger warning. Um yeah the the whale challenge is you um self harm a whale into your arm and then you take a picture and then you post on Instagram and it was it some people some social media outlets turned it into something for your Justin Bieber but it was it was a self harm thing on Tumblr. Wow. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. Okay, so I'm I'm more curious about because the more trans people that I talk to, the more that I'm fascinated by like the simple things cuz I mean like what we learn from trauma is like sometimes you don't recognize that it was a traumatic event until later on in life. Uh so like friend of mine, uh they just gravitated towards cartoons and movies where uh, a man would dress up like a female and things like that. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I'm curious as to like, were there things that you gravitated towards or like felt you felt like influenced you more that were on the opposite end of the, the gender spectrum? Definitely. I was very much a tomboy growing up. And then um, I think when I started to hit puberty and like I started to get attention from my body and stuff, I got very hyper feminine. I was like, yes, this will give me validation and attention. Perfect. <laughs> um, and I went very much the opposite direction. But yeah, when when I especially especially pre-puberty, I had my hair short, I played with guys, I played with monster trucks, I did not care about any of the things the girls talked about. <laughs> very, very much male identifying, I think, as a kid, even if I didn't understand what that meant. Sure. Yeah. Well, and so when you go on the on the you're getting attention from from males which is i'm that had to have been weird because i mean did you did you have attraction towards men when you were younger i did and i I still do um and i was um before i came out people saw me and i was out as a um as a bisexual girl before and so that and i was out in my high school and in my middle school so that was that was navigating that 
was interesting. I didn't know about this until recently, but like within the like the queer community, like if you come out as bi, they want you to be more definitive. Yes. Which seems crazy because you're you've come out and that should just be the end of it. And then that community in itself goes, but you're gay, right? I could talk. I could talk for like a whole hour about bi erasure and bisexuality. And because my experiences um, being bisexual is very different depending on how if people see me as a man or a woman. Um, when I was bisexual before, it was like, well, you just do it for attention. You just make out mm. with girls for attention. It's just for men or you're a whore. Stuff like that. Of course. Um, slut shaming. Um, uh, bisexual women actually get sexually assaulted at twice the rate as straight women. Um, it's their higher vulnerability and stuff. Um, part of that is because of the bisexual erasure and the erasing of the sexuality makes them more vulnerable to that kind mm. of stuff. But anyway, um, and then on the opposite side, um, people assume that I am a gay man <laughs> now. <laughs> and it's just, it's not true. It's just always been the same. Yeah. Well, I mean... I wonder if people do that association of promiscuity because if you say you're bi, that means there are double the amount of yes. people that you're attracted to. So immediately their head goes, whoa, that's way more people. <laughs> Perfect. They must be fucking all the time. <laughs> that's what you would think, but no. <laughs> I mean, bi, bisexuals are just as prone to antisocial oh, fucking, yeah. you know, anxiety and all of that shit. And then, but I mean, when they do get pressured into like the stereotype, mm -hmm. it's like, I can't imagine what that feels like to like, you're, this carefreeness is perpetuated onto you simply because you don't care if they're male or female. Yeah. <laughs> and so you're like, well, fuck, I guess I have to make out with everyone. Yeah, I don't know what I to do. Yeah, and you're exactly right. And I think it really affects young women who are who are like just now having their bodies that like they're just developing and they don't know what they're doing with it. Um, I've met growing up. There were a lot of girls that I was friends with that were also bisexual. Their boyfriends would be the first question any of their boys friends would ask them when they came out would be like three sometime. Mm. It's time. And I don't know, it's just a lack of ownership over your own sexuality, over your own body. Your body isn't yours. You are made to be consumed. Yeah. You are made to be porn. Um, it sucks. It sucks. It restricts you from developing your own identity in a healthy relationship with your sexuality and your body. And yeah, it can fuck you up. Yeah. What's the phrase? Exoticized? Probably. Probably. Uh, there was a, a Korean gal that we spoke to last year. And she was talking about how most of her sexual sexual encounters were because a guy would say, I've never been with an Asian before. Oh, yeah, fetishization. Yeah. Yeah, there we go. That's what I'm looking for. Yeah. Um, which is... So gross. So wild. So gross. I, like, I can't... Yeah, I don't know. I'm definitely guilty of that whole threesome concept. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> like, it's... But I don't think there's anything wrong with admitting that. No. Like there's people who when they and I'm positive there are people listening who have done the same fucking thing. It's OK to own it and then just move past it. Yeah. Just be like, oh, OK, that was a wrong thing for me to think. Now I can move on. 
<laughs> as long as you're educating yourself and is you're that the forward. dogs whining i think so are they okay they just i think you gave them so much good attention because a lot of times people are a little nervous do they ignore the dogs <laughs> not necessarily but because they're <laughs> jumpy the shitty thing that I have heard when it comes to people admitting to being bisexual is that, like you were saying about the assault rates, yeah, you have people who say, like, oh, so that must mean you want you want to fuck, fuck me for sure, yeah, and then they basically force themselves onto these people, yeah. and but they'll, that person will be like, I'm not gay, but this is yeah because you're bi, it's not gay, like. It's so fucking insane to me and and terrifying. <laughs> it's awful. Yeah, and they'll they'll gosh, and that honestly that double applies for me because straight men will pursue me and they'll be like if I fuck you, I'm gonna make you a woman and it's straight. It's not gay for me to fuck you. But yes it is. And second of all, please don't do that. Um Please don't fuck please, me. Please please don't. I'm not I'm good. <laughs> I'm all right. I'm chilling, man. <laughs> and I mean Okay. I have a thousand questions. That's like, ask I'm going to try away. and keep it's it okay. on track. Because um, I have ADD too, so my brain will like... Bop, 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 That's bop, okay. Bop, my bop, partner bop. has ADD and our conversations are like this. It's okay. <laughs> um, so you said middle school you came out? I Let's see. It's complicated. So I came out in online spaces. Me and my mom were talking about this the other day. My mom always saw me as somebody who didn't really care. Um, but my relationship with my stepdad, he was he was very homophobic. He was not he's not a good dude. Um, so I was kind of half hidden my my until I left my house, basically. Um, and so I would come out in and I, I did the same thing as far as gender identity later. I would come out in places that were safe in places that I knew um, like I wouldn't I wouldn't come out around known f- family members of kkk people like i wouldn't do that um family members that like former kkk oh not me not me um but like in the town there was um because the kkk presence was so prevalent there were like i got you there were like family members and community members that were well known i gotcha yeah but yeah i would i would sort i would search for people who were safe and then come out to them and that's how i figured it out and then from there did it like just word kind of spread and people would confront you after that yeah i um i left my high school my uh sophomore year like i I dropped out so i didn't so yeah because i didn't that it was a lot that bad oh my god absolutely um yeah i my parents even went down to the school we talked to the principal we had meetings and it was just like unstoppable but that town had a history that had a history of like police having to come in and intervene with bullying and stuff like it being that bad. So Holy I mean, shit. yeah, there was there was this legendary um, uh, the cookie incident in which a um, supposedly um, two older football players on the football team sexually assaulted the water boy with a like a, a lick with a tube of chocolate chip cookie dough jesus christ so yeah i mean the i where i was i mean it was known for that <laughs> wow yeah but i mean it's good i'm here i'm safe i'm good no i know <laughs> but like having to drop out that's so intense like i mean who did you have like as your support system to try and combat this shit um i had my mom 
And I had friends online that I had made and um and I had me. I I kind of I grew up in a, a a house with domestic violence, so I was very self-sufficient and I was very good at figuring things out. And I think I realized at a young age that the way I would get out of my tricky situation is through school. So like I found the homeschool online. I found everything to get my degree. I looked up and I, I told you that I'm getting my master's and that I'm 22. Um, So I looked up like how to start college when I was 16 and get all that underway. I and, didn't even think about that. Yeah. 22 getting your master's degree. Yeah. The math is. <laughs> the math is not <laughs> mathing. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I mean. But I'm, I'm lucky. I could have very easily been. My thing could have very easily been drugs or fighting or fucking or anything else it just yeah. happened to be school i was lucky very lucky everybody loves the lean and cough medicine well if you live in a small town in alabama and there's nothing there and like we we had a dollar general a piggly wiggly and a gas station that did not take card time out yes a what a piggly wiggly oh my god <laughs> what is that you don't know what a piggly wiggly is no. okay it's a it's like a local grocery store it's a southern grocery store okay yeah that's it um it's like what's y'all what, Cash wise is kind of close to it. <laughs> okay. It's like a smaller community cash wise. Got it. And but it has it has like the porky piggy on the front. Oh. And but nobody calls it the piggly wiggly. You are going to the pig. You're heading to the pig. You're grabbing a buggy at the pig. That is what you're doing at the pig. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Now buggy, are you talking about a cart? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Sorry, my bad. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm familiar with the phrasing, so it's just <laughs> Letting the audience know. Oh, yes. You see. <laughs> you see, I am from the South, you see. <laughs> so as far as the gender identity stuff goes, when when did that start for you? I think I did not feel safe enough to explore my gender identity in my brain until I went to college and I moved out. Okay. So when I was 18. Now, when you say safe, though, so there were there were thoughts in your head of like, this doesn't this doesn't feel right. Yes, I OK, it's complicated. I didn't realize I was trans, even though I was having really intense dysphoria. I had a really I had really bad self-harm issues. I had a really bad eating disorder. And that's pretty common within the trans community for us to have eating disorders, because it's a way for you to control your body in a way to make it the way you want without. And of course, like when I was younger, I mean, my mom was like, all girls are insecure about themselves. All girls hate their bodies. And I was like, yeah, so this makes sense. And then I got interested in um, psychology and sociology and social work. And I read about Sigmund Freud and penis envy. And I was mm. like, oh, that's me. So I'm normal and nothing's wrong with me <laughs> because all women feel like this. That's hilarious. Yes. But yeah, yeah body dysmorphia. Oh, yeah. Oof. Oh, Oh, yeah. And when you have gender dysphoria and body dysmorphia, you're I what am I? I don't know. <laughs> A concept. <laughs> well, and like, oof, kicked the mic right into my oh, face. Oh, I didn't hear it. So you're good. Sorry. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's a work. The only way that I've been able to like when I have conversations with people who are like, I just I don't get why. Why do I have to change my vernacular? Uh. They're living their life, whatever. Because we're going to die, man. Because <laughs> we're good. Because we're out here killing ourselves. Can you please care about somebody that's not you? I don't mean to be. I don't mean to ask for that much. Yeah. But what's the 
the last time that I checked, it, suicide rate was like forty three percent or something like that. Yeah, I um forty six one time. So this Ooh. is something people who do not like trans people on Twitter. One time, I was um. Nazis online were being mean to um, an artist that I liked, and they quote tweeted me that statistic just forty six percent over and over and over again. Um, they'll they will use that as like a subtle way to tell you to kill yourself online without without being able to get reported. Care- yeah, so careful with that statistic. <laughs> God damn. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, it's fucking horrifying. Yeah, it is. It is, and people, I I don't know. I would like to genuine like, why is it so hard for people? I would like to know. I mean, so the way that I've been able to equate it to people, because like my my dad is not by any means like he doesn't really care. Right. He just he's very inquisitive. So he'll say like, what's what's it matter? And so I'll be like, okay, imagine tomorrow you wake up and everyone is calling you ma'am or miss or that girl over there. Even though, so that feeling and the way that you view your body is exactly how they feel. Yeah. It's just because of like societal restraints, like they're not allowed to, even though every fiber of their being feels like this, if you don't look like it, then society goes, nope. Nope. Right. (laughs) So you would be a she for the rest of your life. Right. No matter like how much you fought it. So even then there's people that'll push back on that, like, which is a bummer. But the other thing is like people get upset. I mean, this applies to cis people for the most part, which is, you know, people saying like, why, why are they so loud and so aggressive about it? And it's like the loud and aggressive ones are there to help the quiet ones. Because change isn't going to happen if a bunch of people are just whispering. Right. Like, you have to have these people. Like, you think about the um, civil rights movement. Yeah, like, you, they, have, you had to you be loud. To be people always reference Martin Luther King, but forgetting that he had but, thousands yeah, of forgetting people. Forgetting about march. Malcolm X. And yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Like, even though he was quiet, yeah, no. to millions of people in the US, they were like, this dude is a fucking terrorist. Yeah. They would, they would talk about him like he was a really bad person they would in elkmont alabama they still talk shit about martin luther king jr that's the thing <laughs> oh my like god people in the south they'll be like well slavery wasn't about slavery is about sla- states rights that's what you will still hear down there that's the thing like they're they're stuck um oh my gosh but yeah i get what you're saying about, you know what i mean like yeah. my favorite thing to do with like the whole fucking uh history not heritage yeah or heritage not yes. history thing is so like uh okay so the um oh my god i'm blanking on what the flag's called now. <laughs> the confederate flag? confederate flag yes um so they're like yeah it's heritage not history and i'm like okay well where did it come from okay so the north was like or the south was making a bunch of money right we were killing it <laughs> yeah we were and killing the, it and by the, exploiting people <laughs> the north was like oh man we're gonna tax you more and we were like no that's not right and i'm like okay well like how did you guys make so much money it was a lot of like agriculture yeah yeah? yeah, how were you guys like? How did you keep your income so so high? Yeah, that's so wild, man. Well, we had like, um, did you got? Do you have help? <laughs> did you get some help? <laughs> exactly. So that's where it always goes to is like, 
All right. Well, so how did you guys make so much money? Oh, your overhead was next to nothing. Oh, yeah. Because you, you had slaves. <laughs> you had fucking slaves. Yeah. I, on my, when I first moved up here and I started working at a domestic violence shelter, one of my coworkers had the Confederate flag on the back of their truck. And they were not, first of all, okay, there's no excuse even if you are from the South. But they were not from the South. And people fly it up here in Minnesota. And I'm like, what does that mean? What does that mean? What does that mean? Heritage to what? Go back down there. What are you doing here? Yeah. I I don't get it. I couldn't agree more. The, the, the weirdest thing is uh, there are Minnesotans that adopt a Southern accent, which blows my fucking mind. I don't get how that happens. But like they will get like a drawl. And it's like, you're all you're doing is you're like, all right, so what stereotype will apply to my lack of acceptance the southern accent all right well let's Perfect. just do this that way it all makes sense look i don't want no <laughs> no uh lady dicks in my bathroom <laughs> yeah and like that ah fuck get your boy pussy out of here you know <laughs> i get it <laughs> i get it and that's fucked up because honestly as painful and you will be surprised as painful as the south is i love alabama i love the south i think a lot of the South's issues is because we don't have any money or any power. The South is historically very poor because mm-hmm. slaves were stuck there. Historically, very majority minority. Lots of black culture. Southern culture is black culture a lot of the time. Fucking soul food. Hello. All of Southern food yeah. is black food. And it's delicious and wonderful. And I don't understand. I don't understand people adopting all the ignorant parts of the South and not. I don't get it. I do. I don't get racist people. This is that's what this podcast is about. I don't get racist people. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, like this town specifically. Yeah. Uh, they're like when um, like the Black Lives Matter movement kicked back up because of all the George Floyd stuff. Mm-hmm. People's fucking Blue Lives Matter flags started popping up, and it's like, why? Why now? Why? Do you- <laughs> That's like the fucking Confederate monuments. Yeah. It's oh like my God. All that, sh- all that shit started popping up as the civil rights movement yep. was happening, which nobody fucking realizes. They're all like cheap as shit. And yeah. that's why they're so easy to destroy. Like they put them up quick. <laughs> I mean, my neighborhood has a bunch of fucking PVC pipe flags. Best thing that happened. Uh, somebody put up a, you know, blue lives matter. Flag, mm-hmm. Right. PVC pipe, fucking garbage flag. Yes, of course. Their next door neighbor, two days later, puts up the uh, Church of Satan flag. It's on a real flagpole. It's raised properly and like waves so much better. And it's like the neighbor, that guy can't complain because the Mm -hmm. exact same thing that he wants people to leave him alone for, they have to leave them alone for. So you have Church of Satan and the Blue Lives Matter flag right next door to each other. I think that's such a cool that the the Church of Satan has done that a couple times. I've heard like that um, such a cool way to protest uh, like Christian oppression, like not Christian oppression, but Christian oppression, Christianity oppressing others. That's awesome. It's a wonderful way to protest. But yeah, I I hear what you mean about St. Cloud. We um, I was part of the Women's March yesterday in St. Cloud that we were uh, walking to um, um, talk about the. Protect abortion rights, basically oh reproduction yeah. rights. Yeah, because it's it was October second and Supreme Court and the shit going down with Texas. Anyway, um, but there was this guy that yelled at us out the car. It said, "Shut the hell up, you stupid bitches!" And I said, "Damn, 
we just kept yelling we just kept screaming we were fine but yeah the this town is interesting i'll say that yeah i mean so back to sorry uh, we kind of yeah. hopped all over the place my bad <laughs> Um, but back to the, the whole gender identity thing. So you had that feeling prior, but kind of recognizing that there wasn't enough immediate support that it wasn't a safe place to, to truly like, uh, explore that. So, I mean, how long did that feeling last for? I think as soon as I moved into my dorm, um, when I went to get my when I went to get my bachelor's because I, I I was at community college at first. Okay. I think I immediately went online and made an account that wasn't attached to my real name, and I put my pronouns as he they on there and like just explored online for a good year. Um, yeah, and then I came out when I was nineteen to like publicly like at my college to my mom. To coworkers, I when I was out at work, I was out to teachers. So I, I'm trying to think of the timeline of like when I started having gender dysphoria and when I came out. I I think I had gender dysphoria always, but I don't think I realized I had um it was gender dysphoria until um until I was about 19. Okay. Um, and I mean, there's. There's so many ways about that process that you can go. Yeah. Um, did you feel pressure or like were people asking about like hormone therapy and, and that like the, the gen it's being trans is associated with trans like transition transition. Yes. So, I mean, did you have pressure from people to like, Okay, well, fine. Do and, all the things. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and when I initially, this is the complicated part. So when I initially came out, I came out as just non-binary and I just oh, okay. use they, them pronouns. Um, and I had a really hard time accepting the male part of my identity and wanting to physically transition because, um, and yeah, like um, my mom was like, well, are you going to, that was the first question she asked me actually, other than I love you, I know, and are you going to physically transition? And I was like, well, not all trans people have to do that. Not all non-binary people have to do that. Um, I don't think I asked myself if that was something that I wanted because honestly, at that time, I was so sad. Like, I didn't see myself living long enough to transition. And mm. I think that's the issue with a lot of trans people. Like, we don't... Yeah. I'm from Alabama. That's not going to happen for me. Like, why would I ever think otherwise? I also... I'm short and I've always been voluptuous and like <laughs> I I like oh, testosterone isn't going to make me not 54. I've been on T for a year and my voice sounds like this, you yeah. know? Like this that's it's just how it is not everybody's going to pass. But yes, I did feel pressure um but I started transitioning during quarantine physically transitioned oh, wow. during quarantine which was very nice because i came out and i was like everybody guess what <laughs> <laughs> yeah so that helped but i um not as much pressure more invasive questions which i'm down to answer to be to be honest because you mentioned earlier i hit the microphone oh that's fine um you mentioned earlier that like there does have to be like a loud outspoken trans person or that loud outspoken minority yeah and that was me that was me i was that person and i am that person a lot of times on campus 
Um, because when you do that, people who are closeted will come up to you and talk to you. And so I, I'm, I'm always like, if you ever want to try out pronouns or a name or different like gender affirming terms, you can always go to me because I know how scary that is. And I know what it's like to not have a friend or a place to experiment that with. Yeah. So that's, so I'm out all the time. And I think that's, at least for me, that's why trans people do that. Cause like, otherwise people aren't going to transition. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it, yeah, it's, you can't like even if somebody had all the money right Mm -hmm. like like a caitlin jenner it still took a while for her to look the way that she does now like so if somebody does come out and people are putting pressure on them to look different you're gonna drive them into fucking debt because or detransitioning or changing their mind yeah yeah yeah. because it's like well if nobody's gonna (laughs) fucking accept me unless i literally change everything about me which is a whole yeah it's right it's such a tricky thing and i get why people like get upset yeah but at the same time like i don't know i it's not it's it it doesn't actually affect me right like these things are somebody else's burden and I think that people feel uncomfortable at the thought of like, I don't know that I could ever do that. I definitely would never do that. Well, and, yeah, because you're not trans. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's like, it's it's this, but it's this weird, I'm not saying that everybody's insecure, right. but it taps at an insecurity of, would I be able to do something that extreme? To be happy. Yeah. And yeah. is it is it worth it? Ugh, I don't. Well, I mean, uh, to a cis person... No, <laughs> but to, yeah, and that's fair. And for some people, like, and again, I'm I'm from Alabama. I worked with a lot of people who chose not to transition, who chose, who are like, I'm trans with my friends, but I can never come out to my family and I can never physically transition. I am stuck like this. And like, that's people's choice for their safety. That's what, that's what you got to do. Which, <laughs> that that phrasing is such a huge thing that like, we shouldn't have to say the suicide statistics. No, we, we shouldn't. shouldn't have to say they don't feel safe. Like for no. their sa- like these conversations should make it so clear why it's such a big deal. Like if you literally don't feel safe because you want to be your own own person, right? Like that should that should be such a big flag, like red flag to people to be like, oh, so society like. There's like thousands, possibly so millions of wild. people who like want to force you to be something like that's such a crazy thought. And I can't imagine living a life like that. <laughs> like, it's fucking scary. It's very interesting. I You mentioned again, going back to like physically transitioning. Yeah, it is a lot of it is a big deal for non-binary. Like you don't have to have dysphoria to be trans. You don't have to transition to be trans or non-binary. What the fuck ever. You can do whatever the hell you want. It's your body. Um, but when I made the decision to get on testosterone, it was, it was a really hard decision for me for two reasons. Cause yes, I very desperately needed to be on it to, uh, live. Um, I'm curious what you mean by that. What do you mean? So like, does, t- what does testosterone do for, for you in your situation? All right. I, it's, that's a fair question. It's different for everybody. Um, for me, I was not able, like, 
I wouldn't shower for a month because I would look down and I would see my chest in the shower and I would be like, Mm. my body is so wrong. Or like I would hold in my pee for hours because I would have to feel that I have a vagina when I wipe like bad, very bad, wrong. Just my body is a prison and it's wrong and I can't live like this anymore. And that with quarantine, being stuck, facing myself every day, facing my reflection every day. Yeah, and a lot of people came out during quarantine. A lot of of trans people came out during quarantine because you were stuck with yourself. You were stuck in your skin, stuck with your thoughts. So... So, but I mean, like, I, I actually don't know, like, on a biological level, what oh testosterone does to your your body. Right. Everybody's body is different. I started off with no testosterone, lots of estrogen, <laughs> zero, nothing. Um, the first and the most important and biggest affirming change for me was actually bottom growth, ah. um, which... Um, which you seem to know, which is the the clitoral lengthening and yep, stuff. Yep, yep. And then uh, body hair, weirdly, very affirming to me. I used to shave off and on. I was like, sometimes I like to be smooth and sometimes I don't. But I've never grown a lot of it. Um, and then my leg hair started coming in. And I'm like, yeah, my little man trees. <laughs> it's so weird. I, For me, I didn't know how sad I was about how I looked until I started seeing my body looking differently. And I was like, shit. I've been living like this. <laughs> so are there like estrogen blockers? Mm-mm. No, no. Um, Actually, it is a lot harder for trans women and trans feminine people to transition and a lot harder for them to pass than trans men. Because like my voice, my vocal cords will thicken. My voice is changing and will change. And my periods um, have gotten lighter and I have bottom growth. Like my genitals are different. And, the, and I don't have to take estrogen blockers. Like I just take tea and that's it. For trans women, like they got to take androgen blockers and they got to take estrogen and they Mm. if and they have like if they want anything to be done differently with their genitals, like they have to have surgery, you know, so it's a and the voice is a big thing for passing. Oh, my God. Huge thing for passing. Um, And like so it puts them and trans women, of course, because femininity is is met with violence. Trans women are just in general more in more danger. Mm-hmm. Than I am. So, yeah, no estrogen blockers. Although I wouldn't mind them. I feel like <laughs> I have too much. <laughs> I feel emo- it's emotional, soft skin, love bread. That's what I hear from trans women when they start taking estrogen. Yeah, that's me my whole life. <laughs> Carbs, man, they're the Carbs. fucking best. Yeah, I, apparently it was a biological thing with me. <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah, it is. Yeah, women like carbs like for a reason. Oh. So interesting. Yeah, they build. I mean, women are supposed to have at least 10% more body fat than men for breastfeeding, all that shit. Oh, so, sure, yeah, sure, sure. they're supposed to like them carbs. Wow. Yeah, very interesting. That's fascinating. I mean, sorry, what a tangent. <laughs> no, no, no. It's, it's good because it's still in the same vein. Um, I haven't gotten a chance to ask somebody who's younger because most of the people that I have talked to about it are like in their 30s. Right. Um, so, there was the closeted aspect i mean that whole violence thing was God. so prevalent um i mean the last state that had the um what was it called transpanic um fuck so there was a law um that if you like let's say you went on a date like a, a cis white male oh, goes on a date yeah. with a you trans person you have to person. disclose 
right? So if they did not know and suddenly this person uh, takes off their clothes Mm -hmm. and boom, they have a penis. That person, if it like drove them to madness, would get a lesser offense because of trans panic. Yeah. There was like an actual law. And I remember reading about it like years ago. And then when I heard last year that it just got revoked, it was like, that's too fucking long. Yeah. Um, So, I mean, the God, it almost felt like um, uh, what would you call it? Like like refugees. (laughs) <laughs> like it felt like there were these like refugees that were like in hiding and they, they knew where these safe houses yeah. were and they would bounce from like place to mm-hmm. place. But if they got caught in between, like they don't, you have no <laughs> You're idea. Fucked. What, yeah, you, yeah. It's fucking insane. So like to, to talk to the younger generation about what that's like now, it, it is, there's a huge difference. Yeah. But at the same time, there's still absolutely these amounts of struggle because the shitty people, that you know would cause these atrocities now they have kids yeah that they can exploit and they they treat they tell their kids the same fucking thing yeah it makes me so scared because i obviously i have done a lot of like direct work and so i know how dangerous it is to be trans in this world i feel like um, but that's just because of the way I grew up. When I um, first moved up here, I joined like the Pride Club and stuff. And I was talking to one of the the younger trans people. And they were like, I wear like my trans hat all the time. And nobody's ever said anything to me. So I don't know why everybody's so nervous and freaking out. And I'm just sitting there like, you don't know anything. You don't know what it's like. <laughs> my body is a prison. But then they'll say in the next breath, they're like, yeah, my boyfriend won't like gender me correctly but like it's not a big deal you know it's interesting it's a, it's god it, it is it's so weird because like with my kids so my oldest is 12 mm-hmm. and he has a friend who's trans and they don't care no kids don't care at all and so it's like it's so clear that if you're not going to make it a thing kids most of the time will just make the right choice. They may like kids have like a like superficial ignorance that it just comes with age. Like you don't fucking know. Like I heard my daughter um, talking about a Mexican accent that they heard and and her and her friend were talking about how funny that sounds. They just don't know. They don't know that it's, it's that's different. Yeah. It's okay to like think things are different, but like that's yeah. Yeah. So, and all it took was, you got to remember like that's that's not in their control. Yeah. So we make sure that we don't you know that whole thing like it's these simple simple things but then yeah these I I went to school with too many too many people who when the whole bathroom thing was happening oh my god were just complete like it showed what pieces of shit they were like the the concept that a man is going to transition just so they can go into bathrooms and try to molest kids. Like it makes me so mad. Also, there's... all they have to do is dress up like a priest and they can molest as many <laughs> kids as they want. And that's the fucking truth. <laughs> and also like this is, I have noticed that, and they, they did this during the George Floyd stuff. When we were talking about police, they will talk, bring about, they'll talk about molestation or rape or violence upon women only when it is they're talk they want to p- 
push like a conservative agenda when you actually want to talk about domestic violence and what you can do to stop it. Where are the men? I do not hear them. <laughs> so it's I find it very annoying. Also, as an I, I'm not going to speak for all trans people, but the every trans person I've met is terrified going when you have to pee in a public place. Panic. Trans panic. That's the real trans panic is when you have to pee in a Dude. public place. I'm like, is there a gender neutral bathroom here? <laughs> I'm going to die. <laughs> God. Yeah. I, like I've accidentally walked into the women's bathroom mm -hmm. before. And that feeling is horrifying because you're like, oh, shit everyone's gonna fucking know yeah like i can't imagine like if that's your daily like oh fuck i'm in public and i have to take a piss what the fuck am i gonna do like it's so hard and depending on <laughs> which way you're trans like <laughs> um for trans women um it's safer for them to go into the women's bathroom even though um turfs and shit will be like you're gonna molest us and stuff but mm. for a trans woman to go into the men's bathroom Dressing how she wants to, you know, passing, be, trying to pass as a trans woman will not go over well. Yeah. And similar for me, I don't pass enough to go into the men's bathroom safely. I just don't. Yeah. Um, so I go into the women's bathroom and I am sad. <laughs> and I, Or I try and find a gender neutral one yeah. um, or a men's with one stall. Those are good. I appreciate those. Yes. Yes. Love the men's with one stall. But yeah, trans panic bathrooms. <laughs> uh, that's that's. It's it's funny in the wrong way, but yes. yeah, trans panic should be the other way around. Yeah, for trans people. Hi. Okay, so where are you at now, though? Like, as far as the people that you've surrounded yourself with and like your daily, like, are you finding that there's more acceptance? I would like within the last year. Hmm. is the world getting to be a better safer place for trans people for you personally for me personally it's complicated actually um in alabama in birmingham alabama community the queer community was so we were so tight like we fucking would die for each other because we we were out there dying up here um i went to my first like real pride by myself, not as somebody who was like organizing it, but oh, okay. like who was attending Minneapolis pride um, year before COVID and had the non-binary flag on. My partner had the non-binary flag on and somebody snatched it and was like, what is that flag? And they were like, oh, it's the non-binary flag. And it, it means this and this and this. And they're like, yeah, people like me died for you to wear that stupid fucking flag and then walked off. What the fuck? Yes. <laughs> so, I mean, and I've heard, I've heard like from in the South when people are queer in any way, even if they don't, even when they didn't, even when other trans, um, other queer people um, didn't understand my trans stuff in the South, they still, they were like, it's okay. You're one of us. I don't get it, but you're one of us. Up here, they'll be like, well, I don't know if trans people should be part of the queer conversation. And I don't know. I mean, it's it's sexual orientation. Why is gender identity a part of it? Y'all know why gender identity is a part of it, but okay. That's that fucking old guard shit. Yeah. Like, that, but that's so, it's, but like, that's what I've noticed up here specifically. Which makes so much sense because like Midwest people are so on the like passive side mm -hmm. of things. So if they feel like they have a rule book that they can be like, okay, as long as so, I have this, then I can say this to you. Yeah, no. It's so fucking weird. 
So it is very weird. I, I will say I don't care for the passive aggressive stuff up here. <laughs> it makes me confused and it makes me want to yell at people. <laughs> it's super fucking weird that like I still haven't adjusted to it. Oh, yeah. Like How I, is Oregon as far as that goes? I mean, when I was a kid, nobody gave a shit. Right. But there's a pretty clear. I didn't realize like there's a lot of mountain people in yeah. Oregon <laughs> and so there's this so there's this perception that Portland is the entire state of yeah. Oregon but really Portland is just its own fucking weird utopia mm-hmm. of wild shit uh, because when the riots started for the George Floyd stuff the whole state of Oregon like turned on that city and yeah. so from what I gather it's less accepting than I thought it was while at the same time having this massive hub of acceptance. So it's like, it's like I was saying, like that whole refugee concept, yeah. like as long as you get to the, the safe base to the city, yeah, usually. Yeah. 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 Um, then everything's fine. Yeah. I mean, there's, you know, bumper stickers that say, keep Portland weird. Like it's just always been like, you're not normal. Perfect. Get the get, fuck in here. Yeah, get in Portland. <laughs> That's very interesting. Yeah, I have a um, an online friend named Drea who's um, she lives in Oregon, and like, it's there's a lot of there's a lot of white nationalist presence over there. Yeah, and uh, damn, <laughs> it's because they're 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 so close to Idaho. And Idaho's acceptance level is garbage. Oh, shit. See, I don't know anything about that side of the country or the Midwest or anything. I just know the South and here. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm lucky that I have family all over the place. Mm -hmm. So I've gotten to see all this shit. And then, oddly enough, like social media, because I see the stuff that they post, it gives me a barometer for like what the fuck's going on over there. Yeah, that's cool as shit. So, So I have relatives in Arizona, which super conservative yeah that must have been interesting during the last election (laughs) yeah (laughs) everything to them is tied to abortion okay so that's a very big issue up here i've noticed yeah well it's it's so 50 50 yeah which yeah they like they don't have signs they don't have pro-life signs in alabama everybody is that is the you are pro-life you live there you're (laughs) pro-life But there's fucking billboards here. Yeah, I know. And I saw that. I'm like, what is that? That's so scary. Stop showing me those babies. I know. I had fingernails. What I want to do, I still might do it, is uh, show a picture of like Jeffrey Dahmer and then say (laughs) I had a heartbeat at Oh my God. You You know what I mean? Like pro-life? Sure. (laughs) Sure. Let's show all of it then. Yeah. (laughs) Hell yeah. Um. Yeah. Like show Marilyn Manson and and be like, I had fingernails at nine months or or six months, whatever the fuck it is. The heartbeat at thirteen, fourteen days. Yeah. So, if I think if people saw it in that sense, mm. they'd be like, Well, that's not fair. <laughs> yeah, I think they would be mad. Well, it's like it's it's the well, exact the same, same thing because you don't know what the fuck that baby's gonna do. When we were at um, for I I live um uh, I should, I don't live anywhere um. At the march yesterday, at the women's march, there was um, pe- there were anti-protesters because we because we were marching about abortion rights, of course. Um, and people brought 
their kids and had their kids <clears throat> hold shit. And they're like, look at these babies. You're going to kill these babies. They are alive. No, I'm not going to kill those babies. I'm a social worker. My God. <laughs> the, the thing that my wife always brings up with those people, uh, for some reason, they're also anti-vax. Yeah. Which is a massive contradiction. Yeah, that doesn't like make you're any pro sense. life, but you don't want to get vaccinated and save a life. Like right. you're literally gambling by like you're like, I want that baby to be born. I don't care what happens to it afterwards, <laughs> but it better be born. Yeah, like <laughs> it's fucking. Cra- it's a bunch. Honestly, to me, it feels like a bunch of bitter parents. Yeah. Who are like, I have to take care of a kid. You should have to do it. Yeah. So well, like, and we have I totally agree. different circumstances. Yeah. A 16-year-old shouldn't have to do the shit that you did at no. 25. It's no. completely fucking different. And nobody should have to do shit they don't want to. Yeah. And that's the other thing. Like, uh, it all goes back to like, people just don't want women or people with uteruses in general to have control over their own damn bodies. Yeah. It's control and power. I was at the, there's a Planned Parenthood in St. Paul. And... I was there, um, so my wife and I got pregnant when we were 18, and we had gone to Planned Parenthood with with the plan of having an abortion. Mm-hmm. Right before it happened, my wife had a change of heart and was like, "I, I don't, I don't think I can do it." Unfortunately, uh, when they looked there was an actual problem. So if she had tried to go full term, she could have fucking died. Yeah. There was this like massive amount of scar tissue that had built up and it was, so they had to do this surgery. Fucking awful. So I'm there. Her nephew had to come with us and there was a little park across the street. So I was like, all right, I'm just going to take him to the park. Oh no. Yeah. I know where this is going. Tons and tons of protesters. Right. So there's, People that volunteers that will walk you. Yes. So you you can do that, right? There's a lady that gets in my face and is like, how can you go there and then hold his hand? And I'm like, "Uh, Dakota, buddy, go with her. Hold her hand for a second. And walked my 18 year old ass over to this lady and said, fuck off. And just, she just backed up. And it's like, I shouldn't have to do that though. Like we shouldn't have to do that. But so I go back and the volunteer like leans over and goes, thank you. We're not allowed to do that. <laughs> yeah, no, they're not. They they send me, uh, Planned Parenthood sends me like a list of like volunteer. You can volunteer to do that walk back and forth. They're awesome. Yeah, I think it's great. It's awesome, yeah. But you know what isn't great? The fact that they have to get volunteers mm. to walk you into the fucking building. Yeah, I want to get posters that say like, we're so... I'm so pro-life that I only do anal and like stand with those people like, yeah, yeah. pro-life. Let's all do anal. Let's all do anal. Well, I saw a recently like, do you want to prevent abortions? Are you a man? I have an option for you. Don't come in anyone's vagina. Yeah. Don't do it. Come anywhere else. Just not there. Or get a vasectomy. Yeah. Like yeah. me and. Which is much easier for people with dicks. Me and. 10 of my friends could go get vasectomies. <laughs> yes. Could just make a fucking day out of it. Oh, yeah. Bro date. Vasectomy bro date. <laughs> my friend in Florida, however, has, uh, sh- she wants to, you know. Uh, get her tubes tied. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And, well, actually, she wants to get them all removed. Oh, good Everything for her. Cleaned out. Yeah. Renovated. Me too. Get that, get that <laughs> shit out of me. <laughs> um, but she has to go through psychiatric evaluation yes. and like all of this wild yes. shit. 
it's like, why, why can I get a group on for a vasectomy? But if a female wants to do the same thing, it's, you know why you're crazy. You it means you're why. crazy. That's fucking so ridiculous. Yep. Ah, um, okay. Sorry. Another oh my tangent. God. No, tell me I've been talking so much. You're yes. good. Okay. Now on top of everything that you've gone through, this is why I'm glad like it's just you and me because we were going to have your your friend come. Mm-hmm. Or wait, is that your partner? Oh, no. Kay is my friend. She is also a co-worker at the okay. Women's Center. Um, so we were going to do doubles, but we, I, I'm glad that it was just you because of all of the, the gender stuff that you deal with yeah. on top of all of the other shit. So like your life is just a giant bubble of trauma. Yeah. So going back to you had mentioned your stepfather. Yeah. Uh, when, like, do you know your bio dad? Um. Yes, I don't talk to him, but I, I like I know him and I've talked to him before. At what point? So, w- was your stepfather there day one? Like as far as your memory goes? As far as my memory, pretty much. Yeah, my parent, my mom got remarried when I was three. So yeah. Okay. Like, did you grow up knowing that he was your stepfather? Um, I grew up, so I was allowed to visit my biological father for a little bit. And then. uh, So like, how old were you when that happened? I was, I kept seeing my biological father until I was five. So like, I do have distant memories of him. Um, And I called my stepdad like a, a nickname of his name when my mom and my stepdad were dating um, and he did not like that. So he made me call him dad. Mm. And when they got married and, um, there was just a lot of pressure on me as seven, eight year old kid to accept him. And it was just really hurtful when I would talk to my biological father on the phone or when I would visit him, it made him feel like I didn't love him to talk to my own father. So. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, when, if you're okay with it. Oh, yeah. Do you recall when things got physical with him? Um, Because the South, famously, you did yeah. something wrong. Go pick Bang. out a branch. Go get a switch. And you beat you, the hell out of your kids. <laughs> yeah. He was, um, he was always a very scary person. I was always scared of him. Um. Uh, my mom was in a really, really vulnerable place. She um, had stomach cancer when I was one, um, when she was with my biological father. She figured out my bi- biological father was a piece of shit um, and was like, well, I don't want Finn to go with him. So now that I'm dying of cancer, I better get a divorce. <laughs> You know, like you do. Of course. <laughs> um, she also lost two of her businesses. Whatever. My mom was going through some shit, right? Yeah. My mom Would you was... mind grabbing the top of this and just cock it? There you go. There we go. My mom was going through some shit. Um, and so he specifically, he preyed on her. Like he preyed on her when she was vulnerable, when her hair was growing out from fucking chemo and she had this little kid. Oh, by, and I was premature. I was really sick as a kid. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. All, all this stuff. Um... And he was involved with the military and, you know, when you're Southern involved with the military, getting married quickly is not unheard of, very normalized. Yeah. Um, oh my God, I forgot the question you asked me. I'm so, so sorry. So the physicality. Yeah. Um, 
I don't remember it ever not being that way. Ugh. To be honest with you. Um, more so than the physicality, though. He was very... Like, when you think about physical abuse in children, you just think about somebody like just beating the shit out of you. He was... Um, an experienced manipulator and that like he would drive really violently and really fast when he was mad at us so that like it was like a suicidal homicidal thing like i'm Mm -hmm. gonna kill you and us and the car um so like there is um that and hurting animals so like this is why i love dogs so much so hurting animals to hurt us was a big one killing animals that kind of stuff um in front of us um so it honestly and yeah like yes being physical physical abuse sucked and the other forms of abuse sucked but like it was the psychological shit that really fucked us up yeah well i mean there's a whole different level of powerlessness yes when yeah when it's inflicted on things that you feel have nothing to do with you yeah I can't imagine. That's fucking terrifying. It, it was. It was fucking terrifying. Honestly, my but my mom fucking is a badass, and she got out. And most women don't. Yeah. Most women can't. They're very, very, very lucky. So, how old were you when uh, you guys got away from him? Oh, um, what was this? What was, what was this? Four years ago. <laughs> oh shit! That re- okay. Um, so my uh, senior year of college, I was struggling with the trans stuff and I was, I was dealing with a lot of stuff, but I was also really successful in college. This was down South or up here? Yes, this was down South. This was in, this was when I was getting my undergrad in social work. Um, I was working at an HIV clinic. I was helping um, other trans kids in Birmingham transition. I was helping people whose partners had HIV get on prep, which is like HIV birth control. I was doing cool shit. Wow. I was happy. I was with my partner. My mom was talking about leaving my stepdad. It's the happiest I'd ever been. Like it was the safest I'd ever been in my life. And every day, every day I was suicidal. Every day. Oof. And I was seeing a therapist and I was taking medications and I was doing everything. And I was like, if my life, if this is as good as it gets and I still feel like this, then I have a decision to make, you know? Mm-hmm. And But my therapist caught it. Um, and I was hospitalized. And a lot of people showed up for me and a lot of people fucking cared. So many, so many people cared about me. I will never forget that, honestly. So I mean, my were mom you on up. an adult mental health unit? Yes. Yeah. They, okay. Um, Actually, um, a Baptist hospital, my Uh. therapist sent me to. (laughs) She was like, I know it's a Baptist hospital, but they're good. They were not good. (laughs) They they preached at me and I was like, hey, I'm I might be trans, you know, and they were like. I do not hear you. And I said, okay. <laughs> Did they give you like pamphlets on how to not be trans? They <laughs> they said, oh, I understand that that's something you're dealing with, but you need to talk about that with your therapist. Basically. Yeah. They're okay. like, oh. <laughs> so like they want to help you with your mental health, but when it comes, that's so Not to the trans. They're like, no, we can medicate you and we can make sure you don't physically hurt yourself. But otherwise, I also, I was in the hospital for a week and I was, like the only patient there for about three days. So I was completely alone. Jesus Christ. The therapists and the group therapists did not show up because I was the only person there, which did not help me mentally. I was like, damn, I don't matter. Do I? But 
I, I was fine because um, during one of the last days, um, my mom came down because I was about three hours away from where we had lived. My mom okay. came down and she's like, hey, kid, what the fuck? <laughs> um, and she was like, I feel like something with you and um, your stepdad, my stepdad happened um, because what, what happened with my mom is that when the the violence and the abuse was happening to me or really anybody outside of her, like she would just block it out basically because she was so guilty about having that happen to other people that when it would happen, it would just like gone. Yeah. You're immobilized. Yeah. Well, I mean, a unique thing with human beings is our fight or flight is so situational yes like there's it's not like a black and white thing with Mm -hmm. us anymore like i mean ptsd is basically your brain thinking that this thing is happening all the time and so your fight or flight is activated and you're like what do you do yeah what the fuck are you supposed to do it's Uh, yeah so i mean the attempt at adapting to yeah to what like 15 years of fucking (laughs) no oh my god like 18 years god i don't know long time yeah um yeah so she would and i i was like mom like he beat the shit out of me (laughs) like he fucking sexually abused me you know like he's a bad oh yeah you want to talk about a bad relationship with my sexuality and my body between incest survivor (laughs) fucking trans fucking assigned female at birth fucking growing up fat like all fucked up all fucked up but um I'm getting better and I am happier now. And my mom left. I told my mom what happened and my mom was like, okay, let's make a plan. I have my cool job. I'm going to see if they can have promotions. When you graduate, we'll find somewhere and we'll get the fuck out. And she did. Did you ever have an attempt or was that situation kind of the closest that you got to, like you recognized how unsafe you felt? Um, I did have an attempt this is the this is debatable i don't know if it was an attempt or not i it's weird right yeah i had fully when i was um when i was still living at home um and i was in high school and i dropped out and i it was in the space between i started going to college and Mm -hmm. i was at home all the time kind of like quarantine like it was it was about a four month span where i was just at home cooking cleaning stuck in that house um i yeah um, I attempted, but I passed out from like self-harm, self-mutilation, whatever, and had like tied a noose, but I had passed out before anything could happen. Mm. Um, so when I, when I was hospitalized and they asked me if I had a history, I was, I described that situation. They were like, that's just self-harm. That's not an attempt. So, I mean, I don't know. So I was hospitalized twice for uh, suicide attempts and there was there was one before it and it's a it's a weird thing because i i had gotten too used to how the the mental health system works yeah. so you know what to say to be able to get out and like in the back of my head it was like oh well i mean you didn't even come close that first time yeah. so we'll figure it out Maybe it happens later, maybe not, but the next time is going to be different. I, I don't know. So it was really weird to fuck with my fight or flight to be like, to me, suicide is the same as having cancer. 
and you succumbing to what cancer does to your body. If your mental health has been pushed so far that the only way that you think that you can survive is by dying, then that's just a byproduct of this disease that's, that's taken you over. Um, so it's, it's a strange thing after that first attempt, your outlook on suicide is like, so, I mean, like for people who haven't gone through that, like it's, it, it becomes a very different and strange thing. I'm not saying for everybody, but for a lot of people, it's like, it's this, I don't want to say nonchalant, but it's, it's like this third person perspective. This is what I have to do to keep myself safe. Get the knives out of the house, get the, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's very so it's very odd. And that's why I was curious about it is because like I haven't been able to talk to a lot of people who have had attempts, but most of the people that I talk to, it's the same it, yeah. or it's similar where it's, they're like, I mean, it was kind of yeah this or that. If you were to the point to where you were, you had some type of plan, uh, my wife used to work in the ER. And if you have remotely a plan then they're like, okay, then you should come in. Right. Like, because you're a sliver away from just executing Having it. Having the plan. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, and the plan stuff, that just signifies how much more successful it is more likely to be because yeah. people have plans follow through. People who do it impulsively, there are accidents and stuff. There are right. opportunities to save them. And yeah, yeah. And it's... um. You're exactly right. Gosh, I love the way you talked about that. <laughs> I um I try and I try and be more careful about my language and say die by suicide rather than commit suicide ah. to take away like the criminality aspect of it. Because why the fuck do we say that? That's a great you, point. You commit murder. You commit tax fraud. Why do you commit suicide? <laughs> like you don't. You die by suicide because it's a disease. Yeah. It is. I also in my I try um, to say attempt or suicide survivor. Suicide suicide survivors good, but. Yeah, you're right. I do. I do still. The vernacular of commit is, is still cool. in there. Yeah. Yeah. No, but same here. I get it. I um, um. I learned in my in one of my mental health classes <laughs> in my social work field in undergrad, when somebody is suffering from suicidal ideation, it's like a form of delusional thinking, which really changed my perspective about it. But to think like that the world would genuinely be better without you. That is delusionary thinking. That yeah. is a delusion. Absolutely. And that's really helped me when I've been in that place, be a lot more clear headed and be like, the world is not a better place without me. That's insane to think that I don't feel good right now, but this is not forever. Yeah. That's really helped. Well, the other like weird thing is like there are are people who do like I've done that before, right? Where um, my first, what I what I call like genuine attempt was <clears throat> people would be better off without me because I had a disability and I was told by a physical therapist that I was never going to get better and I need to just get used to this. Jesus. And used to this was like, I had like a 10 pound lifting limit. I couldn't hold my kids. Like yeah, it no. was no way to live. So I was like, well okay like then. used to being trans and not transitioning <laughs> yeah no I'm, i'll go die thanks yeah yeah so and that was like it was such an easy thing to be like oh well then Obviously. i'm not gonna burn my family so after that attempt my thought instead of better off without me was uh eventually they'll get over it yeah eventually people move on because I've, I've lost friends and 
it doesn't consume my every day. And so that's my thought. Now that was my thought process for a long time. Um, and so it, it does like the delusional thing, like makes so much sense because this, the, the last time was, Oh, I'm not going to be able to change or escape this Mm -hmm. thing. The only way for me to escape addiction is to die. Right. And so there's that other aspect that like you're the only way to survive is by not being here, which is super strange. Like, yeah, the delusional thing makes a lot of sense. I hadn't heard that before. Yeah. And I hadn't, it really stuck with me and it really changed the way I think. Thank you for sharing that with me. Suicide's a fucking hard thing to talk about. Well, I mean, and that's the point of the show. Like I'm a happy go lucky dude. (laughs) Like, and people think that like our, I mean, you look at the house, you look at like the kids that I have, the dogs, like all of these, these things point to like, wow, what a great fucking life. But there's so much shit that went into that. And I have to be medicated to make sure that I'm very like, uh, objective things help me. Mm -hmm. And so like with addiction, like the objective aspect as to why, I thought that I needed alcohol and substance help me go. Oh, so it's now like addiction is like a snow globe on a shelf. Like you can shake it up and, or like if you pick it up, there's a possibility of it like shaking and right. all this stuff kicks up. But if you don't pick it up, it's just there. Right. And you can be aware of it and like know that things can get gnarly, but otherwise it's just this thing there because your subconscious like the subconscious part of your brain doesn't care about your feelings. Mm-hmm. It only cares about survival. Yeah. And because of that, weird shit can happen because we're an overly advanced species. Yes. That this survival part of your brain was not equipped for. No. We haven't, I don't think we've properly evolved. That's why there's so many people who have anxiety. So many what people. What is proper evolution? You what, know is, what I mean? You know, it's all fucked up mutations anyway. We're just <laughs> fucked up mutated bacteria in the first place. We're not supposed to run properly. That's why I'm like, I, I, I do, and not to get, and not to like ostracize anybody that's religious or anything, but I really don't get um, the perspective of religion and creation because like, we are so fucked up biologically, <laughs> like made perfectly. And on what planet? We're all messed up. Yeah. I mean, if if the idea is that like the whole like God works in mysterious ways right. and like we're made in his image. So if we're supposed to go with that concept, right? Humans have been around for roughly 200,000 years. Mm-hmm. Like that's like a, um, a conservative estimate, right? Right. Could be way more than that. If that's the concept, and so was God a barbarian at one point? Yeah, like, and what are we learning? Like, <laughs> if, if is his plan is like, okay, so you guys need to go through, like, millions of years of shit before <laughs> most of you are going to die before anybody figures it out. Makes That makes no sense makes at all. Makes sense. It makes no sense. And, I, you know, like... I mean, he did, he did kill Jesus or whatever, and that was fucked up, but he did resurrect him. And I don't see a lot of people being resurrected. So I, I just have some questions. I also don't see what the sec, like really Jesus just sat through a piercing session. Yeah. I don't know what that was. You know what I mean? Because if he was resurrected afterwards, it's like. like Congratulations. And then he tried to, he was like, no, y'all, I saved your souls. You're still slaves, but like I saved your souls. I would tell him to go fuck himself too. Like, dude. <laughs> 
I mean, you're at what? Like, uh, you're at probably an inch. <laughs> Just put some plugs in there, dude. You're fine. It'll be perfect. Yeah, put some amethyst <laughs> in there. Oh my god, it'll be pretty. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the the whole thing is very. But that just, yeah. What were we talking about? Oh my God, suicide. That's yes, right. Yeah. Anyway. Sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah, suicide. I am going to grab a drink. Oh, it's right there. So, you've gone through all of these things, right? You get to Minnesota. Um, what was it that drew you to social work in general? Oh, I love social work. Ooh, I love social work. I could talk about I talk about social work for five hours. Um, I ended up in social work out of survival because mm. I want. I was like, okay, I want to be a therapist because that's what I'm doing in my daily life anyway. Um, which unfortunately is a lot how a lot of people end up like that. Yeah. Um, I'm sure. I'm sure your partner had a similar experience. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, and I was like, okay, what's the quickest? fastest way to do that all right psych psychology okay you gotta have a master's okay you can i could do counseling i could do oh social work if you have an undergrad on social work it only takes an uh, a year well, that's cheap that makes my life a lot easier okay i am 16 and i am making these decisions based off my survival I am going to make my entire life based off of this decision right now and hope it works. And it did <laughs> somehow. Um, I took my first social work classes and I fucking loved it. Social work is made by Jane Adams, who's like a lesbian and like wow. like a new like she social work's awesome. I love social work. I don't love all social workers or the systems right. we work in, but I love the field. Yeah, I feel like some people look at it as like um <clears throat> in the early days it was associated with like orphans and stuff yes um it was very um like it was a charity organization at for it was like all and they were very discriminatory about who they helped like they were like um they would only help single unwed mothers or single widowed mothers and they couldn't have men in the home and they would like store into their houses at night and if they found like a man's belt or a man's shoe they take away their services oh yeah very, very fucked up holy shit um, so yeah like that's fair um um but whole house and jane adams was the first like community-based thing where it wasn't religious where it was like everybody just goes shows up in a space talks about how they can empower each other and like a soup kitchen basically first big soup kitchen in the yeah. u.s awesome but yeah I, I hear what you mean a lot of people associate social work with um child protective services yes. too and that system is so fucked up and has traumatized so many people that i i get a lot of negative reactions when i tell people about my career which is absolutely fair yeah well i mean uh, so, so have you done work with vulnerable adults? Um, no, I have not. And I haven't. Yes, I have done work with kids. I lied. I work in domestic violence. Yes, I have done work with kids. Because <laughs> <clears throat> now that's what I associate social work with is there's vulnerable adults who need um, like. Because when a family member becomes it's not necessarily a conservatorship, but like they get uh, assistance from the state mm -hmm. to help 
this family member who is a vulnerable adult. And a lot of times, unfortunately, they're taking advantage or there's abuse and all of these things. So like now Family's I associate taking the money. Yeah. <clears throat> I so social work with the, those people helping these individuals make sure that they can be as independent as possible and things like that. So social work on the domestic violence side, like, did you have to learn about resources and like, like, it, it's weird to think like, Back to that whole refugee thing, like you're looking for these safe areas yeah. for these people to be. Like, what is what is that like on? on Damn, social. Work. I I don't know if working domestic violence is different as a social worker than it is anybody from any other field. Although maybe I like you mentioned, like with vulnerable adults, we do have to we do have to report that kind of stuff. Like if um if I was working with somebody who is a, a survivor of domestic violence and they had like. An old, a vulnerable adult that they were also exploiting, I would have to make the decision to report that, even though that's my client. Right. Um. So it does make it more complicated, but yeah, it's re- a lot of it is just like fucking hours of building a giant resource manual. In fact, that's what I did my undergrad, um, <clears throat> on the weekends for my hours, um, because I you have to do an internship, um, for social work. It's like a it's okay. So. <laughs> Social workers um, got pissed off back in the day when we were trying to establish the field because all the doctors were like, there's a bunch of women in this field and I don't think it's a real job. And I think you're just a bunch of church ladies and you suck. Uh. Uh, Yeah. uh, A lot of sexism in social work. Actually, you'll notice social workers diagnose more mental illnesses than any other mental health practitioner they diagnose 60 percent of mental illnesses and we get paid significantly less than people who major in psychology or any other field because i feel like they're the don't take this the wrong way but they're the bus drivers of the mental health community yes like even though your job is insanely important and people's lives could change if something went wrong in the field that you're in people just don't look at you as like we're just normal people (laughs) (laughs) but i think that's the thing i think you should see them as normal people because like i think everybody i think the world would be a better place if everybody picked up some social work skills to be honest yeah for sure oh my god yeah you're asking about the program a lot of my a lot of the stuff i i learned Um, while I was going to school was like about social justice and engaging in the community and how to help somebody help themselves, basically. Mm. Um, Strengths-based shit, like instead of being like, what's wrong with you? Being like, if your life could look any way, how would you want it to look? And what makes you happy? And what makes you want to be here so that you can stay here so that we can get rid of this bad shit? Uh And I like that perspective and and I think that's why I like it. You In domestic violence, social work... I not just in domestic violence is a very hard field. It's a very dangerous field to work in. A lot of um, when we work with abusers and abusers find out that we're working with them, like they'll attack us. They'll attack, um, you know, anybody who's associated working with their victim, their survivor, um, especially at a like a domestic violence at shelters and stuff. Yeah, they'll try real hard to find it. And um, so it's well, and social work is um, the fifth most it has the fifth highest like death occupancy death rate as dangerous as firefighting. Oh, my God. Yes. And we don't like they don't there's no 
I, I'm not going to speak for all social work programs, but like when I went to school, they did not tell us how to be safe. And we're going into people's homes that are like known abusers and people who people are not good. People who are hurting their kids, hurting their spouses. So so do you have to go in, sit down with them and like ask questions like it's an interview or it, it depends. It depends on what kind of social work you do. So me right now, what I do is on campus. Um, a student or a faculty member um, who, if they've ever been a victim to uh, sexual abuse or domestic mm-hmm. violence, they can tell me and we can talk about it and we can process it and then I can send them resources and stuff. So I have, I have a pretty e- – it's not an easy job. I'm listening to people tell me their trauma every day. But <laughs> So it's less in the field for you now? It's it's not less in the field. It's, it's, less, tra- it's less secondary trauma. Ah. I – before I worked at a like a, at a domestic violence shelter where I was responsible for seven full grown adult women and then like all of them had kids and all of them had like four to five kids. Wow. And I and like oftentimes I was the only person there and there was a 24 hour hotline for Minnesotans. um sexual assault domestic violence hotline that you also had to attend to while dealing and it was terrible and i worked 36 hour shifts straight and i got paid 14 dollars an hour and i and (laughs) it was terrible um and it was really fucking hard it's really it's hard um especially in rural communities also people are really resistant to talking about domestic violence, um, especially if you start bringing feminism into it. And you can't talk about domestic violence without talking about feminism and talking about, you know, how women are exploited and what's happening and how what men can do to help. And people don't people don't want to listen. So it's hard. It's also hard because social work is a majority female dominated field. So they're less likely to listen to a social worker in the first place because that's a woman's profession and they're women. Mm. Yeah, it's it's uh, yeah. Domestic violence is hard, but more difficult than working with people surviving that is surviving it. And I keep that in mind when I get frustrated when with the system. Yeah, I mean, when people bring up like. uh, What do they call themselves? What's a male feminist? Meninist. A meninist. Which, just go be a Mennonite. What are we doing? <laughs> yeah, go, be, go. Also, you can set that water on that cube if it's that way you don't have to keep bending down. Your mind. <laughs> you know, I'm just not coordinated, and so I try not to touch things with my left hand. It's. Like I mean, a- it's funny because I say that, but I'm putting my drink on the ground. It's just, for some reason, that's where our brain goes. But then I'm like, how do I make them more comfortable? You did it. You fixed it. I appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> but I was just talking about this uh, last week. Um, so these meninists who are like, you know, men get abused too and men yes. get raped too. By other men. Exactly. Yes. That's exactly what I was going to say. It's like, so we're in agreement then. Yeah. That men are still the problem. <laughs> yeah. So you agree. <laughs> men are the problem. And that's the thing. As a man feminism is the shit that has helped me the most understanding that like, okay, I know I'm a man, but like other people don't see me that way. And that's why I'm getting treated like that has really helped me a lot, not feel dysphoric or not feel shitty. Um, and I just wish men, I just wish they'd lean into feminism a little bit. Feminism is for everybody. It helps men and women alike. Everybody, man. Uh, back to that whole insecurity thing like it it point people think that it points to them 
not being for women's rights. If right. feminism exists, that means that there are a sect of people who believe that men are all evil and that men are, you know, it, it's, it's, it's so weird because, and that's why I point out that like, I'm wrong all the time. Like, right. If you can't get to that level, then it's so much harder to accept yeah. things like that. It's yeah, how are you like supposed to Black get Black Lives Matter, Trans right. Lives Matter, like all of these things are going to be impossible for you if you can't just do the simple thing of being like, yeah, I'm wrong sometimes. Right. So I just need to learn a little more. I think you're exactly right. Being open to like hearing other people's opinion and information, absolutely. It doesn't mean you have to fly any flags or do any no. shit like that. Like it's as simple as just being like, I hear you. I don't. I, I can't relate to your situation, but the fact that you're struggling fucking blows. Yeah. And I just, just like that recognition makes a huge difference. And you, and then you don't have to change anything. You don't have to be a different person. No, just like be, just be more mindful. I also like, I think people get scared that like, if you're kinder to another person that that takes something away from you, it doesn't. I know it's, I know it's new and it's scary and it can be hard to like, adjust to but it will make your life and the lives of people who love you better so please do it <laughs> i mean you think about the shop right yeah i came in and like one of my like big roles is the like hospitality stuff talking yeah. to people and and i'm extroverted so it's easier for me but it's so obvious that the mood is better when you're open to having conversations with people about whatever they want. Right. And, and the, and I, I don't really care what it is that you believe, as long as it's not a belief that's hurting other people, then right. I don't give a fuck. That's the issue though. There are a lot of beliefs that hurt other there people. There are a lot of beliefs. Like, and a lot of like abortion access is so important in domestic violence work because a lot of abusers will knock up their victims to get them to force them to stay and be like you can't have wow. an abortion you fucking murderer you can't have an abortion and they'll even loop them into christianity and be like look i'm such a godly man i'm getting better and be like no you can't get an abortion now we're getting married now like i have seen that time and time again awful yeah abusers that's why i look very specific uh, um suspiciously at men who are very invested in abortion because it's weird you'll where you don't have a uterus, so it's weird to me. Um, if you're not uber Christian, I don't get why you care. <laughs> so my only other assumption is that you want to abuse, you want to trap someone, dude. <laughs> Freaky. Or they they can't get over the like like how we were saying like the vernacular of uh, committing suicide. Yeah, abortion. Abortion is a word. Yeah, it it's it's you know tied with abandonment yeah. and like giving up and all so like all of these negative connotations and murder hell and murder yeah, mostly yeah, yeah. mostly the murder mm -hmm. but i mean depending on at what stage you do it it's no different than getting a tumor removed it's no different that cuz technically there are cells in that fucking thing too like right I, whatever you know fucking just need to smoke crack <laughs> just smoke a little crack and the thing is is that even if you, okay if you think that that is a human life and that is murder okay like you're allowed people are allowed to think that but we live in a world where sexism exists 
and women don't have the right or the control over their own bodies to make the decisions they want. We live until we live in a world where rape doesn't exist anymore. You can't take away abortion. Sorry, you can't. Yeah. It's not safe or fair to women or anybody with a uterus. And the ironic thing is it's mostly conservative people, right? Yeah. Have you heard of Freakonomics? No. What is that? So it's these guys that studied um, like the economic downfalls and, and booms of different societies. Mm -hmm. In Russia, a place where they banned um, abortions, the economy tanked. Yeah. I think it was within like 10 years. Mm-hmm. And it's because these people couldn't afford to take care of these children. Oh. When abortion was reintroduced, like that they could have it again, the economy changed. So it's ironic that like these people are all like fiscally responsible and, you know, economically conservative and all this shit. And it's like, well, you realize that you're creating single mothers. Yeah. The people who you don't want to do it. Yeah. <clears throat> They're going to be bitter. They're going to take shit jobs. Yeah. They're not going to be able to go to school. Gonna, they might abuse. If you don't want your kids and you have them against your will, that's not good for rates of child abuse. Yeah. 100%. So, I mean, guys, if you like money, you let know, there be abortions. Let, them, let women have control over them. <laughs> and that's the thing. Like, uh, when a doctor has to make a decision whether or not to save any other being's life, mm. have to do with anything else. We <laughs> trust doctors what they went to school for for a bazillion years. But like when it has to do with a woman, we're like, no, not her. Stinky women can't make own decision. No, 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 not allowed. <laughs> yeah. I mean... Uh <laughs> we we talk about abortion everything the whole time. like every, it's everything it's all connected medically associated with females yep there's the psychiatric thing that's yeah. included oh my god yeah like a bipolar one <laughs> and borderline personality disorder super overrepresented in women and then autism and ADHD super underrepresented up uh, underrepresented underrepresented in women and anemone and anemone <laughs> But yeah, it, so it's 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 crazy that there's so many like psychiatric evaluations that are associated with any decision that a woman makes. Oh my god. I have had none in my life for any medical thing that I've decided or tried to do, like zero that I can think of in my life. Really? My wife for sure um when she had her uh hysterectomy. Psychiatric evaluation. Like it shouldn't have to fucking be that no. way. We have two kids. We're fine. Yeah. And even if you didn't have two kids, she shouldn't have to have kids if she doesn't fucking want any. <laughs> yeah. God. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and even. Also. Oh, yeah. Tell me. If Go. The thing is that what you're afraid that they're going to regret it because they want to have kids later. Make adoption. A, make Hello. adoption easier. Yeah. It shouldn't be 30 grand starting. No. no. To be able to adopt a kid and save his life. If you really want, if you're really pro-life, make it fucking easier right. for good parents to adopt kids. Right. And like the foster care system is so unbelievably fucked up Ugh. and they do not properly p prepare parents and new parents because I mean, foster kids have gone through a lot and they may go back to their families and you and like people are like, well, if you want to adopt foster and then adopt, that's the easiest, cheapest way. Well, that's traumatizing for people. <laughs> you have like these children that have just assumedly gone into a terrible abusive situation yanked out of their homes into strangers might go back like no yeah, yeah. absolutely we don't we don't take care of kids at all 
And yeah. I, I think about that a lot because I don't, I don't, I'm not a kid person. I don't really want kids. I don't, I don't hate them, but I, <laughs> I like, no offense to your kids. I was going to say my kids are beautiful. <laughs> I get, I get, you know, no offense <laughs> to your kids. But I'll, I say that because a lot of social workers are just real, real into kids. And oh, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. But they talk a lot about like kids are vulnerable. Kids yeah. are vulnerable to sexual abuse, physical abuse. Kids are vulnerable to financial and labor exploitation. Mm-hmm. Like all of that shit. And that, that's a very interesting thing to think about when you think about kids in that context. I mean, most people that have been assaulted um, were assaulted first when they were younger. Yeah. Which sucks. Yeah. But again, yeah, it points to that whole just not. But I mean. It goes back to the whole pro-life thing. Like, what does pro-life mean if you don't care about what happens to them after they're born? Exactly. Exactly. It's also it's also a consent thing. I think people have or an autonomy thing. People have the right to their own body. That that thing inside of that woman is not a fully formed person with autonomy and rights yet. That woman is. Why is that thing that could be something more important than the person that's already here? Again, that person that could be Jeffrey Dahmer. Yeah, exactly. Could be fucking... And I'll hear the arguments the opposite. Like, well, what if that baby cured cancer? What if that mother could have cured cancer, dude? Yeah. yeah. That baby doesn't have any money. That ba- Yeah, that baby is broke <laughs> as fuck. Fuck that baby. <laughs> that baby is broke and that baby has not even gone to school. Yeah, that baby's not curing shit <laughs> without that mom. Exactly. <laughs> so fucking protect the mamas. Yeah. Um. So what's your goal... With social work, with social work, mm, my goal of of my life, because hmm. hmm. you're only 22, and I, there's so many different avenues oh that you can God. go into. Um, I like what I'm doing right now. I'm getting my master's so I can do like long term work with survivors of sexual violence and domestic violence. Um, because what I've been noticing with the people I've been working with is that I don't, I they need more than me. They need they need to process their trauma. We need to do some EDMR, some biofeedback. I I need to know that stuff to make people feel better. Um, so I'm going to do that, but that's really heavy, really hard work. Um, so there there's other stuff like uh, um, I'm really interested in working with indigenous people, indigenous communities. Oh my god, um, yeah, wonderful, and not a lot of personal ties. So it won't be as traumatizing to me and not as hard for me to deal with. Because sure. as you can imagine, <laughs> me working in domestic violence, what actually was not part of the plan, did, was not what I intended to do at all, but is yeah. where I've ended up. Um, yeah, didn't didn't think like I wasn't I wasn't going to be like a feminist after college. I'd be like, yeah, I am. But like. I'm not going to do that for a career. I was wrong. <laughs> um, but yeah, in the future, I don't know. I I would really love to teach. I would really love Ooh. to be a professor. I've thought about getting my doctorate, but that's so much work. And I, but I, and I love crisis. I, I don't love crisis, but I love connecting to people. I know what you mean, yeah, yeah. Yeah, in crisis, like a, um, being a social worker, being a counselor after um, school shootings or something like that would wow. be really cool. I would really love to do that. Um, uh, racial justice is important to me. The black community, specifically in Alabama, is very important to me. Working with them, I I may go back and do that. I don't know. I'll figure it out. Whatever I want to do, wherever my heart takes me, man. <laughs> I like social work. I like that it's a flexible field. Yeah. So, and that's well, I would say that's part of the reason why I chose it. But 
that was just a <laughs> survival decision. But yeah, yeah. well, it's, it's a happy byproduct of like, I mean, it's like being a nurse. Like, yes. you can do so many fucking oh things God. with that. Yeah. And had I not been a social worker, I would have gone into the medical field for sure. Uh-uh. Like medical stuff. <coughs> but I like like every mental health practitioner says I could not do the math. So ah. I'm trying to think of where. How about this? Uh, individuals who are afraid that they may be in either a like a manipulative relationship or a verbally abusive relationship. What are some signs that they can because a lot of people don't accept it and, and yeah. turn it into something else. Um, what are some signs or things that can help people figure out their situation? It's complicated because there are there's like red flags lists and stuff online. But usually people who start suffering from that already have negative self-esteem and are likely to accept that in the first place. When I think anybody like if you are listening to this, like trust yourself when you when somebody makes you feel bad, like you're allowed to feel bad and you're allowed to be angry about it and you're allowed to express that. And anybody who doesn't respect that is not a good person who cares about you and isn't somebody who you should be around. Genuinely, like that's the heart of the issue. Boundaries. Anybody who is like, if you're like, I don't know, I'm nervous and they pressure you. What? That's somebody who doesn't care about how you feel. This fucked up person. <laughs> um, Specific specific stuff texting you all the live long day and then being like hello with a question mark when you don't respond within 10 minutes anybody mm. who does that i block get out of my life <laughs> don't fucking do that to me anybody who thinks you owe them your time your body your money fucked up person and this is and this is friends too um other red flags um somebody who speaks over you and public spaces. This mm. is uh, a thing I've noticed with like um, more um, male on female domestic violence um, that they'll use sexism. They'll use, they'll take over a space or they'll like steal like their, their um, friends or their partner's ideas and be like, ha ha ha. I am very funny and you oh. are stupid. <laughs> um, cra- anybody who, if anybody ever is like that never happened, you're crazy when you know it happened Run. Get the fuck out of there. They are gaslighting you. Run away. I was going to say, I smell gas. Oh, yeah, that's gone. (laughs) Yeah, get out of there. People have started not using that term correctly, which is what it is, but... I get why people get confused. Yes. Because the feeling is similar that frustration yes. of somebody not understanding is but very similar to someone calling you crazy. Yeah. So it's I I get it, but yeah, gaslighting is pretty specific to yeah, a I, tactic I, of I, abuse. Yes, yes, yes. Exactly. It, it it's a it's a means of control. Yes. And that's the thing if um abusers want two things, and if you are assessing your friendship or your relationship with somebody and you notice like that that's what they're trying to get, abusers always want power and control. That's all they want. They don't want your love. They don't want your body. Not in a real way. They don't. None of that. They want somebody to control to make themselves feel better because that's how they have survived. If if you feel guilty, like hang out with your friends or going to get a fucking snack <laughs> or wow. to, yeah, or 
you know, uh, yeah, breathing uh, too loud or that my in my house growing up, like, and I will still flinch when I do this. When me and my mom ate and we clanged our silverware against the table because we're clumsy, my stepdad would get really angry and like it would result in trauma and violence. So even like any time anybody else claims their silverware or I do, I'm like, oh God, oh God. And so like, I'll eat, I'll be like, num, 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 num. like I eat like a fucking rabbit. <laughs> um, but it's, it's little, like making them scared over little shit, driving somebody crazy over little shit. Um, damn, you asked me for like a, a short list and I'm like, here's no, everything. No, no. I didn't say short list. <laughs> That's fair. That's uh, because it's, n it's a complicated thing. Yeah. Like there's, <sighs> The acceptance of being in a relationship like this does not mean that tomorrow everything's better. No. It, it, I, I say this all the time when it comes to mental health stuff and people getting on medication. You can't just do medication and you think that that solves therapy. it. Yeah. There's yeah. therapy. There's uh, self-help that you got to yeah. do. Like yeah, That's so why you hear so many people say, I don't feel like myself on these pills. It's not doing anything for me. You're not using it right. Yeah, or you're on the wrong meds. It takes you a long time to find the right meds. It takes you a long time to find the right therapist. Yeah, for sure. All those things are tough. So in the regards of like these relationships, like yeah. you've been with this person for you know at least a few months or however long, there's no... I, I don't think when you're in a relationship like that, there's an easy way out. No. Oh my God. No. And for some people, and this is the reality for some people in domestic violence, like there isn't a way out and they have to stay with their abuser. And it's similar. Like we talked about, like there are some trans people who can't transition. It's mm. not feasible. It's not safe. It's not like financially. And that's, and those women either become homeless or they die there. Um, or they, continue to get usually no they die there um and and that's a thing in and of itself um but anyway ways to prevent <laughs> signs um you can prevent dying by doing the following <laughs> you can prevent <laughs> actually that god deep shit but we were talking about um in our group at the women's center um ways to prevent sexual assault and sexual violence on campus and like, cause that's a big thing on college. One in six college women are sexually assaulted on I campus. I know, but like, how do you, how do you actually come up with preventative you measures? You can't. That's yeah. the thing. Well, our university is sending like, wear pepper spray, travel in groups, da da da. And those things are really, really harmful to women. And I really hate it when people say them because you're making it the victim's fault. Also, if somebody has a gun, or if somebody's bit like that much bigger than you, you're fucked. If it's more than one person, you're fucked. There's nothing you can do. If you, if somebody really wants to assault you or hurt you, there's nothing you can do to stop it. Right. And telling people that and telling survivors that is very upsetting. Um, I feel like it's like the only field where like there's um, a problem and rather than focusing on the thing that's causing the problem we focus on like the the person who's being affected by it yeah it's really odd like the preventative measures that we go through in medical stuff none of it is focused on like or the majority of it is not focused on you 
you you're you're the problem right except when you talk (laughs) about mental health and like obesity related shit which is like you know that's classism that's oppression that's Mm -hmm. a whole bunch of shit tied to it and that's why domestic violence is different sexism yeah it is what it is so i mean yeah it's it's just it's so weird that there's all there's so many seminars and things for women when it comes to rape but not for men for yeah I, it makes me very mad. It's also psychologically, that's very damaging to women. It causes trauma. Uh, what what do they call it? Sexual terrorism. Being afraid. Oh, to, wow. Yeah, that's what they call it. What, being, you know, um, there's something they call, they tell like Southern girls in the South, they call them knees and keys, lady. Keep the uh, keys between you. Yeah, knees and keys, baby. Yeah, no, no. I, and the other thing is, is that it's usually not a stranger. Your sexual assaulter is usually... Somebody you trust because that's somebody who can get you vulnerable. In fact, a lot of the time it's somebody you're in a relationship with. Mm -hmm. And like that's somebody that's harder to say no to. That's somebody that can manipulate you into thinking that you said yes or that you wanted it. They know where you're going to be. There's there's so much fear associated with that. Yeah. And even on like um, the vulnerability level, like they know if they've seen you naked they and they've been intimate with you, they know what body parts you're self-conscious about. They know how to manipulate you in a way that's sexual that only they know how. Yeah. Terrible. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I could do this forever, but my throat's going to fucking get that's out fair. eventually. I want you to come back. <laughs> Every for day. Sure. Well, I was gonna say, like, you're the first person, like, you come back whenever the fuck you want. Oh my god. This would be fucking rad. Because there's so many different facets and yeah. um you have so much life experience in so many things that like are important to me too. So it's fucking awesome. It's weird to be excited about trauma. <laughs> yes. But <laughs> like that whole trauma bonding thing, like when you're able to open up to people who yeah. know like what that's like the insanity that you feel when you're surrounded by people i mean similar to gaslighting yeah. like who say like spew nonsense statistics and you're and you rifle through your head like i know like 15 women who have been assaulted right like within the vicinity like Uh, yeah we should i don't i I don't understand i don't i assume (laughs) and and this may not be fair but like i assume every single woman i know has been assaulted right like i that is my baseline assumption and gotta be honest nobody's proven me wrong (laughs) so i mean i've met one really one person and you know what they said i'm lucky yeah, so and they, they know. are. They, they know. Reco- they recognize it. And they've it. probably been, and, and I mean, they've probably still faced sexism. They probably still got oh, harassed. For sure. Yeah, you know, like fucking, it doesn't fully, and that's the thing. There's nothing that will keep you fully safe, and people know that. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's scary to say it. It's scary to acknowledge it. It's, it's, it's easier to pretend that you can protect yourself. Sorry, fuck, you were trying to close us out. My no, bad. No, 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 no. It's funny because I I do this all the time. I'll be like, all right, we should. And then it's like a half an hour later. (laughs) Um, But yes, I would absolutely love for you to come back. Um, Are there any resources that you uh, can think of off the top of your head um, that people can utilize like website wise or phone line, like any, anything like that? Sure. Yeah. The, um, the domestic violence, um, hotline website is rain.org, R-A-I-N-N.org. 
Um, if you're in the St. Cloud area and you need help, um, there's the Central Sexual Sim Simsac. I can only know their initials. I'm so sorry. Well, no, Central... that's okay. You could look it up. <laughs> Simsac Central. Oh, I see what you're saying. So C M S A C. Yes, Simsac. Can you read that out loud for me? Yeah, yeah. Central Minnesota Sexual Assault Center. Okay, yeah. That, you got it. That's a good one. They have, um, if you've so, been... Uh, so that would be C-M as in Mary, S-A-C.org. Yes, thank you. Um, I'll put all the links in the in the thing, too. That's so sexy of you. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> that's so hot. Oh, that makes my life so much easier. Oh, yes. Um, they, um, if you've been sexually assaulted at any point, if you've been victimized at any point in the past, they will offer long-term trauma-informed counseling, which is important. A lot of people who have experienced sexual violence can't find a good therapist. I would recommend that organization if you're looking for that. And if you've recently experienced... Um, sexual assault if you are in a situation where um somebody is encouraging you to sell nudes or something Ooh. like and the, like those get real tricky real fast i would recommend you contact them they have a lot of information they have a lot of experience um if you would like help with domestic violence i recommend anna marie's um, oh yeah, yeah yeah anna marie's shelter they're awesome we collaborate with them all the time they have a domestic violence shelter um, they also help with like order of protection, harassment restraining orders. They their legal team, and I've done this too, actually, as an advocate. They'll walk you to court and they'll like sit in the courtroom instead of you when you're not required to be in court so you can see what happens with the abuser. Wow. So the victim doesn't have to show up. Yeah. Awesome. Highly recommend Anna Marie's. Um, and then of course, if you are a SCSU student at St. Cloud State University, um, stop by the women's center. Um, we have um, confidential advocates. So there are four of us, including me, um, that you can disclose that you um, have survived uh, gender-based violence in any way. Um, and I will keep that con completely confidential. We can process that, process the trauma together, and I can connect you to resources and or fill out an HRO, whatever you need. You know, whatever they need. <laughs> Well, fantastic. Finn, again, thank you so much for doing this. Really appreciate it. And again, anytime you want to come on. Hell yeah. Thank you for having me here. This is so nice. You and God, everybody at Modify is like the nicest people I've ever met. Um, and you're so nice fucking with your nice people energy tags. Such a nice person. And I came here and I got to meet your dog. So like, yeah, I'll come back. Your dogs. And I'm free like every Sunday. So Fuck yeah. yeah, I'll be here. For your dogs. Not for this, actually. <laughs> Not for this. I'll just show up and pet your dogs and leave. <laughs> okay. All right. Awesome. Thank you again. And for the listeners, be well to yourselves. <laughs>